The opinions and suggestions expressed in the following program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily endorsed by KRMG, Cox Media Group Incorporated, or the program sponsors. This following program is sponsored by Causeway LLC. Information in this broadcast is not intended as an investment, tax, or financial advice. Matthew Moore is not a licensed investment advisor and speaks solely from his experience and opinions. All information in this broadcast is for entertainment or educational purposes only. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa are not responsible for the success or failure of any person's investment decisions or purchases. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa makes no and expressly disclaims all representations, warranties, and guarantees with respect to this broadcast and its sponsors. Investing in any market is inherently risky and can be financially dangerous. Invest at your own risk. Gather knowledge in the world of cryptocurrency right now on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. Welcome to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Matthew is locally based right here in Tulsa. Questions, comments, concerns? Call 918-460-5764 or send us an open mic using the KRMG app. Now, here's Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. And good Sunday evening to you. My name is Russell Mills. Thank you for tuning in for Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. It is Halloween, but I don't want you to be scared. Nope, there's nothing scary here. The world of digging for that digital gold can be a very safe place. If you've got a tour guide who knows how to take you down the path without leading you off the cliff, I like to think of that person as Matthew J. Moore. Good evening, Matt. Hey, thanks, Russell and uh, Tulsa and the world. We'd like to welcome you to the one place where you can stop and learn about cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, and Bitcoin. Uh, we're one of the very few radio shows out there doing this. So uh, we got we got some really special stuff for you today. And it's not just Halloween. Yes, Halloween is today, but there's also something else that's happening today. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Unfortunately, uh, my spicy co-host, Eric Cooper, could not be here. He's always bringing the spice to this party. I'm sure he's listening as he's uh, taking the kids out trick-or-treating. So uh if you're listening, Eric, uh, we miss you, buddy. Uh, but, you know, uh, all of you who maybe, eh, maybe you're not into this whole Halloween thing, this whole how, you know, trick-or-treating thing, maybe you're those, you're those people who've got your porch lights off tonight. Well, we got the perfect show for you, so I want you to grab some hot apple cider, lock those doors, wrap yourself up in a cozy blanket, and huddle near that FM radio, because we will be sharing the spooky origins of the central banking cartel with the readings from the book known as The Creature from Jekyll Island. <laughs> okay, if I, if I could laugh a little bit louder, that'd be better. But you get my point. Um, so, but not only that, not only are we going to be doing that, we will be discussing the Bitcoin white paper, which was formally published under an MIT public license on, guess what, October 31st, 2008, by a, we were, pseudo-anonymous. We were actually having a debate here in studio about, uh, well, uh, pseudo-anonymous and pseudo, I, I can't remember the other word, but pseudonymous. pseudonymous that's right. Pseudonymous. Uh, developer known as Satoshi Nakamoto. Basically, the whole idea is Satoshi Nakamoto is not a real name, uh, but uh, there were many people who interacted with Satoshi Nakamoto. He released this paper, this Bitcoin white paper, as a technical manifesto for all to learn from, share, and enjoy. And this publication was, honestly, potentially the poison that could bring down and kill this spooky creature known as the Federal Reserve. So, uh, to quote Satoshi Nakamoto, he says in his paper, I've been working on a new electronic cash system that's fully peer-to-peer -peer with no trusted party. Those words, those were the words of Satoshi Nakamoto, used to greet the world some 13 years ago in an email releasing, while he was releasing the Bitcoin white paper, 
and discuss all this, we've brought back Bitcoin miner Charlie Spears from Nakamoto Partners, along with chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Please introduce yourselves. Oh, so good to be back, Matt, on this 13th uh, birthday, or rather 13th celebration of the Immaculate Conception of Bitcoin when the white paper was released. <laughs> I'm Andrew Ryan. I uh, created the Tulsa Bitcoin Meetup Facebook group, and I'm just here to talk about why Bitcoin is one of the most fascinating technologies in our lifetimes. Well, speaking of the meetup, we kind of discussed a little bit of the same topic. How did you guys feel this meetup went up on Friday? Oh, man, I was fantastic. You know, the three of us kind of ran point on this. Um, we had about 50 people there. It was fantastic. Make sure you stay tuned for what when we do it next month. But one of the really cool things is, um, uh, in addition to Fold sponsoring, get, you know, free drinks and, three, and free Satoshis, um, we as like content had a kind of a, almost like a liturgical feel. Matt, you began by reading a section, which we're going to kind of recreate here in right. the show, uh, from The Creature from Jekyll Island, a somber recounting of the genesis of the modern you know, central banking system. And a somber reflection on that. And then Andrew comes along and reads an optimistic, like, relief, a proposed solution by pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto in the white paper. And so that was a really interesting dynamic, like an A and a B part. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was great. Uh, in fact, we, we even did trivia, and uh, the first and second place winners are actually sitting here in this studio. <laughs> I think I'm going to ban you guys <laughs> from playing next time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but at the same time, though, you know, Andrew did beat me. I will, I will humble myself and say he beat me, so you should probably be running this radio show. Well, I'm pretty good at numbers. That's about the only thing I can brag about. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, why don't we do this? Um, so I say we dive into the creature from Jekyll Island. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a book. It's a hefty book, uh, hundreds of pages. Uh, and it is one of the best sources to learn about the modern banking system, how it was conceived, uh, the central banks to be specific, uh, and even more specific, the Federal Reserve. So I'm going to open up and we're just going to read a summary here. All right, this is from page 23. The basic plan for the Federal Reserve System was drafted at a secret meeting held in November of 1910 at the private resort of J.P. Morgan on Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia. Those who attended represented the great financial institutions of Wall Street and, indirectly, Europe as well. The reason for secrecy was very simple. Had it been known that the rival factions of the banking community had joined together, the public would have been alerted to the possibility that those bankers were plotting an agreement in restraint of trade, which, of course, is exactly what they were doing. What emerged was a cartel agreement with five objectives— Stop the growing competition from the nation's newer banks. Obtain a franchise to create money out of nothing for the purpose of lending and to get control of the reserves of all the banks so that the more reckless ones would not be exposed to currency drains and bank runs. Get the taxpayer to pick up the cartel's inevitable losses and convince Congress that the purpose was to protect the public. It was realized that the bankers would have to become partners with the politicians and that the structure of the cartel would have to be a central bank. The record shows that the Fed has failed to achieve its stated objectives. That is because those were never its true goals. As a banking cartel, and in terms of the five objectives stated above, it has been an unqualified success. So, 
that is one of the summaries from the book. We'll read some more here in a little bit. Uh, but, Andrew, Charlie, what do you think of that? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? You got any? I mean, it's pretty pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, oh, you might uh, want to turn your mic on. Yeah, it's 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 amazing what they did. In, was that 1913? Yeah. Um, well, 1910 then 1913. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's just such in contrast to the decentralized peer to peer network known as Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. It, a lot of people may not understand how uh, groundbreaking Bitcoin is because it was not a cartel that created it. it. Every all the entire process after the release of the white paper has been public, uh, publicly interactive and more or less a group governing system. Right. Well, and, and fun fact, when the Federal Reserve was created, the IRS was also created the same year. Uh, and the proposed purpose was obviously to tax in, the income of, I think it was like the 1%, the top 1%, but now we all get taxed. So uh, in, in reality, what's, what's taking place is we are actually paying back this central bank that has shareholders that's making this money out of thin air uh, by issuing debt, right? And so essentially, these taxes that are being collected, most of that is is being uh, given to the Federal Reserve to pay back the principal plus the interest. Uh, so most people don't realize that. What that what happens is when you create money out of thin air, you, you get inflation, and, and that is a hidden tax. Uh, bailouts uh, are never-ending, and essentially debt is the name of the game. And so we as a country, we as a people, most of us would know that we're all pretty much drowning in debt, the chains of debt. But uh, when, uh, when we continue this journey, we're going to, I guess, explore a little bit more about, you know, this idea of why this is the, game, the, game, the name of the game, why all the bailouts, why all the never-ending debt. Uh, again, the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, great read. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Just jump on Google, search it out. It's written by uh, Edward G. Griffin, uh, and everything is documented. Everything is, all the sources are cited. There's history. I mean, it is a great historical book, but when we come back, we're going to dive more into that. Stick around because we got a lot more to cover. Yeah. I will warn you. Um, you're not going to read this thing in a weekend. That's a big old book yeah. right there. That's okay. I'm scared. Hey, happy Halloween to you from everybody here at Cryptocurrency. Uh, a reminder, if you miss an episode, do not be afraid. We've got you covered. Get over to krmg.com or the KRMG app. Look for the on-demand section, and you'll find all those episodes all lined up for you and ready to rock. You're listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG. Be right back. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. We are live and local in the big city of Tulsa on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. My name is Russell Mills. Thank you very much for joining us as part of your Sunday evening. It is going to be a beautiful night out there for the little goblins and ghosties to go out trick-or-treating. Well, if you uh, want to hide from, from all the evil that is lurking about out there, that's okay. Pull up a warm radio, as Matt recommended earlier, and enjoy some juicy, delicious Cryptocurrency talk with my buddy, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Hey, thanks, Russell. And I want to welcome everybody back to the show where uh, you can learn about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology, and potentially what the future may look like. So this show could just change your life. So I would encourage you, if you're out there trick-or-treating, maybe you're listening to us live while the kids are running up to those front doors, or maybe you, like Russell was saying, maybe, maybe you're sitting near a radio and you got the porch lights off and you just want to be left alone and you want to hear a spooky story. Well, we're here to give that to you because we're talking, or we were talking about this idea, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island. It's a book written by uh, Edward G. Griffin, or, or G. 
Edward Griffin. I think I said that backwards. Uh, great book, uh, and it's got a lot of insights on how our modern, modern banking system was created and technically all of its flaws as well. In fact, today, which is October 31st, is not just Halloween, but it's also the birth of the Bitcoin white paper, the idea that started it all. This is not Bitcoin's technical birthday, which is actually January 3rd, uh, but the ideas that were found that founded Bitcoin uh, were released today, and we're here to talk about that, kind of celebrate that a little bit, and talk about how Bitcoin may just very well be the solution to uh, our, finan our financial problems when it comes to monetary policy. And, uh, and so I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to dive back into this idea. Before I bring on our guests to chat about this, um, I'm going to talk about uh, or read from the uh, book that I was talking about, The Creature from Jekyll Island. And this is page 39. And this is, the, this is called The Name of the Game is Bailout. Although national monetary events may appear mysterious and chaotic, they are governed by well-established rules which bankers and politicians rigidly follow. The central bank... Uh, and, well, actually, the central fact to understanding these events is that all the money in the banking system has been created out of nothing through the process of making loans. A defaulted loan, therefore, costs the bank little of tangible value, but it shows up on the ledger as a reduction in assets without a corresponding reduction in liabilities. If the bad loans exceed the size of the assets, the bank becomes technically insolvent and must close its doors. The first rule of survival, therefore, is to avoid writing off large, bad loans and, if possible, to at least continue receiving interest payments on them. To accomplish that, the, in, the endangered loans are rolled over and increased in size, and this provides the borrower with money to continue paying interest plus fresh funds for new spending. The basic problem is not solved, but it is postponed for a little while and made even worse. The final solution on behalf of the banking cartel is to have the federal government guarantee payment of the loan should the borrower default in the future. This is accomplished by convincing Congress that not to do so would result in great damage to the economy and hardship for the people. From that point forward, the burden of the loan is removed from the bank's ledger and transferred to the taxpayer should this effort fail and the bank be forced into insolvency. Bushers the last resort is to use the FDIC to pay off the depositors. The FDIC is not insurance because the presence of moral hazard makes the thing it supposedly protects against more likely to happen. A portion of the FDIC funds is derived from uh, um, assessments against the banks. Ultimately, however, they are paid by the depositors themselves, and when these funds run out, the balance is provided by the Federal Reserve System in the form of freshly created new money. This floods through the economy, causing the appearance of rising prices, but which in reality is the lowering of the value of the dollar or being robbed silently. The final cost of the bailout, therefore, is passed to the public in the, in the form of a hidden tax called inflation. So what most people don't realize is every time they fire up those printing presses, every time they do a bailout, the people who benefit are the ones closest to the money printers, and the losers are honestly we the people. So uh, with that said, I'd like to discuss this with our guests. I've got Charlie Spears with Nakamoto Partners. I've got Andrew Ryan, who's a chartered financial analyst. Both of them Bitcoin OGs. In fact, Bitcoin can't be printed 
you, we, we can't do bailouts with Bitcoin. In fact, I think it was funny. Was it uh, Elizabeth Warren that was saying we need to provide regulation to the cryptocurrency uh, marketplace because they might one day need a bailout? Do you remember her saying that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, yes. Yeah, well, the way to think about Bitcoin is Bitcoin is literally out of control, meaning no one controls it. Not the right. creator, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it it cannot be printed by anyone. Right. No, not, not even the biggest army on the earth. Well, let me, Charlie, let me ask you this. With Bitcoin being a counter to the central banking system, can you explain to the people why the content in the white paper was so important when talking about these ideas? In fact, what was what was what were the new ideas presented in the white paper? This is very interesting. There were uh, some new ideas presented in the white paper and then other ideas which were implemented or iterated on and then combined in an entirely new system. It's kind of like people say, oh, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. Rather, it was the first successful impl implementation of an e-cash or digital cash. We've got two, three decades preceding Bitcoin of innovation, something like proof of work. Um, saying it is hard to replicate or fabricate something new. You have uh, uh, various cryptographic implement implementations, public-private key crypt cryptography. These are uh, concepts that Satoshi combined. Um, one of my favorite new ideas that Satoshi invented was the difficulty adjustment, which is the kind of auto-balancing mechanism for the entire system as a whole so that it can you can issue Bitcoins, the network can issue Bitcoins according to a set schedule and for it not to spiral out of control. It's almost this very almost like magical balancing mechanism. Uh, that's As a miner, that's something I pay very uh, close attention to. And so, yeah, the... The, the combination of all of those, as described in the white paper, and then implemented in the code of Bitcoin uh, uh, was seen immediately by some, and uh, some of us like me are still trying to understand, uh, almost like you, you could be a Christian and read uh, scripture, and every time you read it, it, you discover something new. That's kind of like what reading the white paper is. Um, you can read it multiple times, and then something finally clicks, and you're like, wow, I've, I, I can't believe it took me a decade to see that. All right, right. Well, we're, we got a lot to unpack. We're, we're going to continue this conversation. But before we go to break, I want you to remember, if you miss an episode of this show, you can always go to KRMG's website, and we've got them all logged and archived there. We've got them on Spotify. We've got them on iTunes. We've got them on Google Podcasts. We've got them all over the place, even YouTube. So, uh, And be sure, go to mattjmore.com. That's my website, mattjmore.com more.com that's more with two o's and i've got a lot of information there but stick around we got more so don't go anywhere because this is going to be a lot of fun all right so I've, I've got a question who is this satoshi nakamoto guy is it a guy is it a girl is it a consortium of people in who knows hindustan or possibly on the moon we really don't know but i'm going to pick the guy's brains just for a minute when we come back we do have to take a quick time out here uh, we're going to get you caught up on the news and the weather here's a preview of the weather it's gonna be nice tonight so you can get your little trick-or-treaters out there and not have to worry about them but please please be careful out on the roads auto pedestrian accidents involving kids double every year on halloween in the united states let's see if we can avoid some of that situation quick time out you're listening to cryptocurrency with matthew j moore on 1023 krmg tulsa's news and talk oh, welcome back to cryptocurrency with matthew j moore my name is russell mills thank you very much for joining us this evening we are live and local in the big city of tulsa on 1023 krmg here's the deal this is a birthday 
Actually, yesterday was my birthday. But today wow. is the 13th birthday of the white paper that introduced the world to the concept of Bitcoin. It was written by someone who wrote under the name Satoshi Nakamoto. Nobody really knows who that is, not even my leading experts. And there are three of them sitting in the room right now, led by the host of this show, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Hey. Still a mystery, isn't it? It is. And what better way to celebrate a mystery than on Halloween, right? Perfect. Kind of yep. spooky. Kind of spooky. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to kind of unpack this and tell you why you shouldn't be scared about not knowing who Satoshi Nakamoto is and why it's really not that big of a deal. In fact, it's kind of romantic uh, and why he maybe concealed his ide identity and didn't want to be known uh, because the technology that he was inventing was so disruptive. In fact, uh, as I'm welcoming, welcoming you guys back to this show, I know we've got new listeners, we've got maybe some experts, maybe some people who just love dabbling in this, but I want to welcome back... Uh, our two guests, they're Bitcoin OGs. I've had them on the show before. If you've been listening to this program, you've, you've heard them many times. Uh, but we've got Charlie Spears with Nakamoto, Nakamoto Partners and uh, Andrew Ryan, who's a chartered financial analyst, uh, bringing a little bit of credibility to everything I say. Uh, <laughs> guys, welcome back to the show. Please introduce yourselves. Great to be back, Matt. I'm Charlie Spears of Nakamoto Partners. We put Bitcoin mines on gas wells. Mm. All right. I'm Andrew Ryan, and thank you for having me back. Yeah, I love it. Well, Andrew, I want to start this. Before we went to break, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, but is it important to know who Satoshi was or is it irrelevant? Can, can Bitcoin exist apart from its creator? I would argue that it's irrelevant, um, just like, so who invented calculus? It was Newton and Leibniz and a few other, actually a few other people, multiple people, but does it really matter? Do you need to know who invented calculus to use calculus? Is calculus uh, useful by in and of itself? And I think I think Bitcoin is just like that. It's just like electricity. It's a uh, and and it really is uh, just like electricity transformed the 20th century. I think Bitcoin will transform the 21st even in a bigger way than the internet did, um, because Satoshi discovered global finite supply of scarcity, and we've uh, we've never had anything on this earth that there's it's global and no one controls it but there's only a set limited amount and once you have it you have it and uh that that's what makes bitcoin just really magical and, and a little spooky well and what's cool about it is any developer in fact thousands of developers have have gone through bitcoin and and looked at the code and saw that everything was kosher and had no problems with it that's you know? that's what i think is really telling here is we may not know who wrote it but we know that what they wrote works and, was and it's wide open anybody who knows the you know the first thing about coding can get into that and look at every single hash every single piece of that code and go huh right there's yeah. nothing there's nothing mysterious about that part of it right right and that's i think that's a beautiful thing too um but you know jumping back into this idea of bitcoin's origins charlie how was bitcoin's white paper actually released and what happened after it was published so on October 31st, 2008, Satoshi emailed, under the pseudonym Satoshi, uh, emailed an email list. That's kind of how, you know, OG, like, uh, you know, internet people communicate, especially in this specific, like, cryptography-focused yeah. group called the Cypher, Cyberpunks. Yeah. Cypherpunks. And um, so uh, Satoshi released this white paper, said, I have this idea. Here's what it is. Um, it's open for discussion. Um 
simultaneously or soon thereafter released the actual code base for Bitcoin, which then over the following three months, two and a half months really, um, uh, was kind of peer-reviewed, um, improved upon uh, any kind of uh, errors or bugs uh, uh, improved on. And then on January 3rd, 2009, the first block was mined. So the Bitcoin network began. We're pretty certain that that was Satoshi themselves who mined that block. And it's very interesting. So to, in the words of Satoshi, um, quote, I had to write the code myself before writing the white paper to convince myself it could be done. <laughs> so it's very interesting because you can look back and you can look back at actually like previous iterations of the white paper going back through August of the summer prior. Right. And you can see slightly different variations of this white paper. And it's a very fascinating thing to, to, to read and kind of consider. Well, Satoshi was writing this. Um, during like the peak of the financial crisis right. and then released, you know, at the kind of climax of the financial crisis and um, Bitcoin began its genesis for, uh, you know, uh, January 3rd. And yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, and I always tell people, people ask me like, why, why would he be anonymous? Like, why, you know, why would he be so secretive? And I I'm like, I was like, oh, well, think about it. You know, if you were creating a, a, a new type of technology that the world really hasn't seen yet, that could disrupt the status quo, that could disrupt this creature from Jekyll Island, the cartel of central banks, would you really want your identity out there? You know, so, I mean, there's there's arguments to be made on every level, but... Not to mention the evil media hounding you day and night, 24-7, no, like, no. like if you like if you're an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates right. or somebody like that. Maybe they just didn't want that kind of heat. They're well, like, I, I'm, I've given a gift to the world, now I'd like to just sit back and watch what happens. Right. Well, and here's... Here's the insane thing. He, Satoshi Nakamoto is sitting on, theoretically, a ton, a ton of Bitcoin, and it has not moved. It has not moved. And so people are like, is he dead? Did he just walk away? Like, well, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's $60 billion at right. this point. So it's right. over a million BTC. Yeah. And so, we can see this. We look at um, – we can – pretty confidently attribute certain blocks mined by Satoshi themselves by examining what's called nonce data. That's basically almost like a digital signature of a type of computer that is used to mine those those blocks. So we can say Satoshi's got, got a ballpark like a million Bitcoin. Right. They have not touched. Right. You know, and they may just sit there forever and essentially be a money burn. You know, they may they may just add to the scarcity of Bitcoin because they may never be moved. Okay, and here's the deal. They'll, they'll only create 21 million Bitcoins. Right. How long does that take? When does that happen? So the last bit will be mined. I think it's uh, twenty one forty. Is the is the. So year. it'll take some time, but when they're done, that's it. And then they they will there will be no more Bitcoin mined, and what exists will exist. Right. The end. That's what you mean by finite and right. scarce. Yeah. Right? And and the simple fact that you know there's there's about four or five million of them that have already been lost forever, not including you know the stuff that Satoshi's sitting on. And, and the fact is, is because, you know, when this was an experiment, people lost their private keys. And because of that, that crypto or that Bitcoin is going to sit on that distributed ledger forever, not being able to move. So that's kind of like another form of uh, a scarcity happening as well. You know, when people are careless and. Well, I, I mean, at the time when Bitcoin was worth, you know, th two cents, right. it, was, it was wasn't that big a deal if only they had known, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, people can still lose it. You have to be careful. Right. And the funny thing is, I think the irony is, uh, and Andrew and Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong, but even Satoshi said, you might want to, like, hang on to some of this in case it becomes a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I, Just tra in case. Tra Charlie probably knows, but I know that real early on, someone started thinking about, well, there's only 21 million, and it really does as well as it might. 
um, it could be worth $10 million of Bitcoin. They, they said this very early, like 2009. That was Hal Finney kind of speculating. Oh, that was back Hal Finney? Napkin. Well, that was, uh, we're, we're two, doing two things here. One, which is, which is Hal Finney's kind of long-term speculation on the potential price of a Bitcoin in the future. And then the other one is, as uh, what you referenced, Andrew, which is um, Satoshi's very, like, it's a very colloquial statement. Um, and then maybe people might think, oh, I should get some Bitcoin in case it catches on. That You right. can read like that quote on a forum by Satoshi themselves from like 2009. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and here's, here's the funny thing is you can actually put messages in Bitcoin's you know, blocks, right? And on the first block that was mined or created, uh, he, there was a message in there on January 3rd, 2009 that basically states from, from the Times, which says, Chancellor, on the brink of second bailout for banks. So we kind of get an idea of Satoshi's motives when he was creating Bitcoin because of the whole you know, financial crisis that was taking place during that time. Um, but Andrew, let me ask you this. Why is Satoshi's invention of Bitcoin the best money ever? Why is it, why is it so hard for people to just finally get that idea? Well, so Bitcoin is superior money and it's superior because it's it's easily verifiable. So like even a gold bar can be, you can fill it with tungsten and, and there, there's, there's lots of shady ways you can, you can forge gold. Of course you can uh, um, forge a uh, dollar, but uh, Bitcoin is more portable than either one of those. It's incredibly divisible. I mean, the smallest uh, unit is one sat and it's worth less than a hundredth of a cent. And, uh, and like we've said, it's scarce and uh, Bitcoin is censorship resistant, meaning uh, you don't need prior, uh, permission to send Bitcoin to someone. So it's, it's just it's just better across the board. And I think over time, it's inevitable that it'll, it'll become more and more popular. Well, here's a question for both of you. In celebration of the Bitcoin white paper and the ideas presented in it, how do you two think historians will look upon this invention? invention? I think it will be viewed almost in human history, um, kind of like the discovery of fire. We don't say someone invented fire, um, it'll be a, I, I think it's going to be almost viewed as more of an, an emergent discovery. Um, and it's, I think we'll also kind of attribute like a specific um, uh, kind of culture to it, kind of like the writing of the Declaration of Independence. Right. So imagine those two ideas, one which is a human civilization defining uh, change, and then one which is kind of a specific uh, writing, almost like nailing your 95 theses to the wall. Well, you know what's funny about that? I, I, uh, I My friend Scott, uh, he was he posted on Facebook and he was like, hey, that's funny because uh, I think it was uh, Martin Luther. Yeah. That's when he, was it nailed to the Catholic Church? <laughs> the, yep, uh, front, that's exactly what I was saying. The doors of the church in Wartenburg, Germany. Right, yep. yeah. So, and, and so I really think, you know, this is disruptive and, and the ideas that Bitcoin makes possible is this idea of separation of state and money. Andrew, you got any thoughts? Well, I, th I think it's as important as electricity. It's going to be more important than the internet. I think, I think our grandchildren will think the internet exists for Bitcoin. Um, it's, it's, right. it's not, the internet doesn't exist for, for, uh, cat videos. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's going to uh, people <laughs> tell my good. wife that. <laughs> oh, bummer. So it, I, I think Bitcoin's one of the most uh, important inventions in the last 500 years. And I think in 500 years from now, it'll still be around. I think, I think it's, it's that big of a deal. I think it's fair to say that Bitcoin and blockchain technology change everything. And they're, and they're kind of calling it now internet 4.0, right? 
right. the blockchain. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, uh, but we got more to share with you. Do not be afraid. I know it's Halloween, but we got we got more that we want to share with you about this interesting and exciting field of endeavor, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and nobody does a better job in Tulsa, Oklahoma than Matthew J. Moore. And we'll be back with more of it coming up on 1023 KRMG. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. We are live in Tulsa, Oklahoma on a Halloween evening. Thank you very much for choosing to spend part of that evening with us. We do appreciate it. Today we are marking the 13th birthday of the white paper that was written by someone who called themselves Satoshi Nakamoto. The white paper that revealed the concept of Bitcoin to the world right at the end of that big old financial meltdown you might remember in 2008. So it is the 13th birthday of the concept of Bitcoin, and I'm celebrating it by hanging out with my buddy, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Hey, thanks, Russell. That's right. We're here talking about cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, Bitcoin, the things that are going to change this world. So I want to welcome all you guys who are just crypto curious. Uh, in fact, we've been uh, talking about, like Russell was talking about earlier, the white paper, the celebration of, you know, these ideas that created Bitcoin. And, you know, we've mentioned that, yes, this could change the world. Uh, in fact, we even even did some readings from a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island, which is basically a, a great way to con you know conceptualize and understand the origins of the modern uh, central banking system and how uh, it's really not the best for we the people, but Bitcoin could change that. And uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, I think, knew exactly what he was doing. And to uh, help navigate this conversation, I've got two wonderful guests in the studio with me. They, they've joined me before, so you might recognize them, but it's Charlie Spears, who's a Bitcoin miner with Nakamoto Partners, and then uh, chartered financial analyst Andrew Ryan. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Howdy, hey. Matt. Glad to be back. Good, good to see you. Hey. Well, let me ask you guys this. As you know, we, we're wrapping up the show here here shortly. I, I wanted to ask you this. You know, we talked about the creature from Jekyll Island, the, 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 the banking cartel that it essentially created, the Federal Reserve, uh, how it's uh, not ideally good for us, but great for the, the, the elite few who have control over that money printing system um, and how Bitcoin is different. But more and more, as time goes on and Bitcoin is catching on, we see a lot of institutions, we see a lot of uh, banks, not so much central banks, but banks getting involved in cryptocurrency uh, and, and Bitcoin. But will central banks put Bitcoin on their balance sheet as a tier one asset, as a reserve asset? And if they do, uh, will they be able to capture Bitcoin? Will they basically pull the wool over our eyes? Possibly, possibly, and possibly. Yeah. Um, I think it's inevitable that, that they central will. banks will They'll put buy it, it on their uh, balance sheet. Um, it's more of a question of when. Right. How does uh, a corporate or a government kind of capture of the ecosystem play out? I don't know. That's one of kind of our points in this room is that we, uh, especially you, Matt, advocate in, at a legislature level for right. a uh, for healthy adoption and policy, especially in Oklahoma, for right. this. And that's one of the things we really rally around is like, do not fight it. Rather, you can harness it. Yeah, be friendly to it. Well, what makes Bitcoin powerful is it's, it is peer-to-peer, -peer and you don't need banks at right. all. And, and, and um, you can have banks, and probably banks will be around, but I don't think they can capture it because um, 
people can always go around them. So it's it's uh, they yeah yes, and it will become the global reserve asset of the future without a doubt. Right, and and the central banks will essentially do this in order to survive, in my opinion. Uh, and you know it's like who you know that old rule: whoever holds the gold makes the rules. Well, whoever <laughs> holds the Bitcoin makes the rules. Uh, and so, you know, the beautiful thing is, is one point you think, okay, well, these these guys with the money printers, the the central banks, you know, they could print as much money as they want to try to acquire as much Bitcoin as they wanted to try to get. Uh, but if they were to find any success in acquiring large portions of Bitcoin, um, is that a is that a risk to us? What do you guys think? It it possibly is. I think a lot of it just depends on the divergent paths before us. Um, I want to be optimistic, and I think that you know Bitcoin does create good or more positive incentives than negative ones. Um, and I think you know governments have to compete against each other for this. So ideally, theoretically, long term, the government with the best, most equitable, healthy attitude towards Bitcoin will win out, and maybe people will literally go live in that country. Right. I might. Well, and it goes to game theory. Um, Whichever central bank starts doing this first is going to get the best price, and they will drive the price up because they're so big. Which and drives adoption. So, so the, 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 danger, the danger is – the only danger is to someone who has no Bitcoin. Right. Imagine what happens when the first government, not necessarily El Salvador, the first government says, we actually need to get all the Bitcoin we can before the cat's out of the bag, and they can print their own currency. So then it becomes – and th there's a lot of really interesting game theory that Andrew referenced on this – Right. Like what happens when the music stops and there is a rush for the chairs? Right, and that's exactly why we do this show is we want to wake as many people up uh, to realize what's going on, how they can benefit from it, uh, and, and understanding the importance of monetary sovereignty, financial sovereignty, and, and Bitcoin can allow for that. So we're here to ring the alarm bells to, uh, to bring the good news of, of Bitcoin here, but uh, if you are interested, uh, go to my website, mattjmore.com. I've got a lot of information there. In fact, we've got the uh, Bitcoin conference coming up in uh, uh, April. Uh, we, we've got, we're selling tickets to that. So use promo code KRMG10 if you want to join us in Miami. We're going to have a lot of fun talking and learning about Bitcoin with maybe some of the world's most influential people in Bitcoin. You guys going with me? I'm planning to. I'm there. I already got my ticket. Okay. okay. Well, Andrew, I fully suspect that you need to buy your ticket on my website. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm planning on it. Which, by the way, if you're interested and you'd like to go to that Bitcoin conference in Miami and you'd like to get 10% off, you need to go to Matthew's website to do that. It is Matthew J. Moore. Or and Matt that is spelled, J. Moore. Matt, I'm sorry, mattjmore.com. And that is spelled with two O's, M-O-O-R-E, mattjmore.com. That's where you can get those tickets. And remember, the coupon code is KRMG10. I want you to stop for a second. I'm going to give you a thought before before we head off into the sunset here. In 1905, they struck oil in Glenpool, Oklahoma. You know, there were a lot of horses in Oklahoma at the time, but people saw the potential. They saw what was coming next. And Tulsa became the oil capital of the world. Could we be the Bitcoin capital of the world? Yeah, we could if we got on that like right now. Tell you what, Texas is going to beat us to the punch, so we better get our act together. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. My name's Russell Mills. We will be here again next Sunday, I promise you, live and local in the big city for more of Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Have a safe Halloween out there, and we'll see you here next week. <laughs>